is Inspired, a program from Interfaith Voices. I'm Umbreen Khan, and each week we explore how beliefs shape our world. The scale of destruction in Turkey and Syria after the February 6th earthquake is honestly hard to comprehend. The death toll has climbed to 57,000 in Turkey, with thousands more unreported in Syria. Overnight, it seemed that my inbox was full of fundraising appeals. I began reaching out to the different groups, asking for funds to support disaster relief, but discovered that many were raising money but didn't have a physical presence or staff on the ground, instead relying on partners, local groups, like the Virginia-based Islamic Relief USA, which has local country teams operating in Turkey. Since the earthquake, the group has raised $15 million in donations and hopes to raise $60 million during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, which began on March 22nd. To learn more about their work and efforts, I spoke to the organization's president, Anwar Khan. Welcome to Inspired and Interfaith Voices. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It is wonderful to have this conversation with you. I just want to jump right into it. Islamic Relief is a charitable organization. I understand that your organization actually has an office in the Turkey-Syrian region where the earthquake hit, and that in previous years you have been to the region before the earthquake. Tell me a little bit about the context in which this devastating earthquake took place. Yes, Amburin, we have our main office in southern Turkey in Gaziantep, which is one of the main towns near the epicenter on the Turkey side. We um, have over 150 staff. We've been working there for over a decade in southern Turkey, helping Syrian refugees. That's also a hub to help inside Syria in the greater Idlib area, in the northwest of Syria, where the opposition are in control. There's limited amount of aid that's been allowed by the Damascus government to get in over there. So we already have over 12 years of a humanitarian catastrophe in Syria, and one of the most acute areas is in northern Syria, and that's also the area that's been devastated by this earthquake. So immediately within 24 hours, our teams inside Turkey in Gaziantep were responding with giving out essential needs on the ground. We didn't have to bring the aid from overseas or fly anyone in. We already had the people there. Now, in Turkey and in Syria, our warehouses are becoming empty. We're trying to restock inside Turkey. They are saying that they have enough of their staff on the ground. We lost one of our staff members. She died in the earthquake. And at least 20 of our staff's family members have um, died in this earthquake. That's only on mm. the Turkish side. We have limited information coming from the Syrian side. Um, as of yesterday, over 40,000 people have been confirmed dead, the majority in Turkey. We believe that's because we haven't found a lot of the dead people on the Syrian side. So there's less information coming from the Syrian side. There's less aid getting in on the Syrian side. The numbers seem lower. That's simply because we don't have the information. And it's devastating on the Turkey side. Um, some of my colleagues from America were on the ground today. They're speaking to us in Hatay. This is a place with about 500,000 residents and 200,000 Syrian refugees. 
they said it's a ghost town. It's mostly the army over there. Everything's destroyed. People have been relocated to other areas. It's cold. People are hungry. Now is the time where we're moving towards recovery. Initially, when this happens, people get excited and people come, they give food. We need to keep that food over there. We need to give them blankets. We need to give them coats. We need tents and they need clean water. Otherwise, these camps will be ravaged by waterborne-related diseases. First of all, thank you for sharing uh, that detail. And let me express my condolences to your colleagues in this tragedy and that it's it's hit you your organization close to home how is that impacting the morale of your teams well you can only imagine what the situation is uh, people are having a problem burying their loved ones we faced this before in different earthquakes in different parts of the world where people basically our staff go they bury their loved one, then they go straight back in the field to help other people so we don't have to bury them. It's traumatic. Um, We also have some of our team that left from America are also prepared to do emotional counselling and we're ready to send more people. Emotional counselling is needed for the people who are affected by this crisis. But right now the focus is food, water, medicine, blankets. But they need someone to give them a hug. They need to make sense of all of the death around them. Um, there's um, some imams who have left America there, over there and I know there's a lot of imams over there but some of our imams have been trained in this and we want them to talk to our staff and to encourage the staff I was in Pakistan floods last year Kabul earlier on last year I was near the um, front line in um, Ethiopia um, the year before that one of the main reasons I go is to assure our staff we love you, your life is not expendable I want to stand side by side with you. So we have some of our colleagues standing side by side with our local staff over there to say, we're not just here in America to write checks or donate online or just um, do likes on Facebook. We are here standing side by side with you. We love you. They hug them. Uh, we pray for them. And I think that we shouldn't underestimate prayer. Now, many of the people in this area are Muslims, are also Christians, there's other faiths as well. Um, we think it's important that we understand and become faith literate and we speak their language. We pray the way that they pray. Otherwise, we get some of our colleagues who do that. We're not here to push our prayer on people, but we need to understand that there isn't just a physical need or emotional need. People also have spiritual needs. They need to make sense of what's going on right now. As you describe the need to make sense, there's so many different struggles. The immediacy of filling up those warehouses so that you have water, generators, blankets. How are donors and people listening who don't have the ability to get on a plane and travel and support and give a hug, as you're describing, what can people who are listening do to get resources and support to those who are suffering on the ground? Donate. Advocate, supplicate. Donate, give as much money as you can, however you can. Donate your money. We're not asking people to donate their time over there because we want to make sure that the people over there understand the language, understand the culture, and they're professional in what they do. There's our organization, and we have our website, which you mentioned, which is irusa.org. But I'm asking people, no matter what faith you are, or if you have no faith, pick any organization that you trust. 
go online and donate to an organization you trust. Donate your money. That's number one. Number two, find out if there's activities over here in America that you can help. Um, I know the Turkish Embassy was looking for volunteers earlier, but also there's other um, charities which might be doing different meal packs or different. Um, they need people to volunteer. Go to your local church, synagogue, mosque, Odwara, Mandir, whatever place you go, or if you don't go to a, a religious place, secular place, see if there's an opportunity here in America to donate your time. Second is advocacy. Please contact your congressman, contact congressperson, contact your senator, encourage them to give more. We have been very generous, rightfully so, with Ukraine. So far, we've given 85 million for Turkey and Syria, where over 40,000 have died. As we are generous in other places, let's see if we can step up. Let's put pressure on our congressmen, senators, to show them we want to show the generosity that America is famous for. So let our government see if they can do more. They've already been generous. I'm encouraging us to encourage them to do more. Then on top of that, we want people to go online. We want people to spread stories, show the beautiful stories about children being saved, remind people that there's many more that need to be saved from hunger that may die from disease and may, really may die from the cold. So please use your social media accounts, whatever account you have to spread the word. Write up ads in um, different um, print media, news media, digital media. That's all part of advocating. Third, supplicate. What do you mean by supplicate? Pray. Supplicate means pray. Pray whoever you... It just rhymes with donate and advocate. So I come up with supplicate. Just pray. <laughs> pray to whoever. It sounds good, but it, it, it's just a um, fancier way of saying pray. Pray. I'm not telling you who to pray. I'm saying pray. I believe that God will listen to any sincere prayer from anyone in the world. So you pray. Pray, pay, say. You currently have a team on the ground trying to identify additional needs, and they're taking support and resources there. Um, there are, as I'm sure you are aware, hundreds of organizations now that are inviting American donors, generous donors, people who are feeling empathy and want to do something to donate. There was an article recently about a series of scammers trying to profit from the Turkey Syria earthquake on TikTok and social media using images and setting up donate funds. Uh, are you concerned about the exploitation of the of the suffering? Are you concerned about scams? I'm always concerned about bullying. Anybody has an iPhone, can go anywhere in the world, can show you a footage, not give a penny of that money to the person in need, can make you cry on the video, and then you won't even get a tax-deductible donation. I love that people are generous in nature and they want to give, but when they give to scammers, then they're less generous for legitimate causes later. So this is my suggestion, and I said this when you asked me about how can you help, I said, give to a charity that you trust. I would rather pay 10, 15, 20% admin and the rest of the money go there than pay 100% to a scammer and 0% goes there. I want us to be a bit more mature in the way that we donate money 
The same way that when we buy a car, we go in, we go online, we do research, we check before we do that. We are trying to save people's lives. Please do your due diligence if you're a donor. Give to an organization that you trust that's actually working in Turkey. We're not just sending teams over there. We've got hundreds of staff. They've been there for over a decade on both sides of the border. We're working. So we are working over there. Our name, Islamic Relief, may put some people off, thinking we don't want to donate to Muslims. But look at the actual work we're doing. So find an organization that you trust. You can go to different websites and you can find organizations that are doing legitimate work in Turkey, in Syria. So give one that actually is actively working right now in Turkey and Syria. I want to turn to a second for a moment to something you just raised, that there might be some who are concerned or do you, because you are uh, the Islamic Relief uh, Organization, you are a faith-based group, talk for a moment about how faith plays into your work and how you provide services. So as Muslims, like our brothers and sisters of other faith, we believe that Charity, giving, helping others, showing mercy, compassion, love are important elements of our faith. You cannot practice Islam unless you show mercy, love, compassion. What Islamic Relief does is we're able to tap in to that generosity, especially around the religious holidays, especially around tithe. We understand that for many people, giving is a religious obligation. So there's a religious obligation in Islam called zakah, and a voluntary act of giving is called sadaqah. Then there's different types of the year and different types of charity people are encouraged to give. So one of the five pillars in Islam is the obligatory tithe that we call zakah. There are eight gates that we believe go to heaven in one of the stories of the Prophet Muhammad. Four of those gates are for all good virtues, but one of those virtues that has its own gate is charity. So we believe that by giving charity, you are coming closer to God. As a Muslim, you are a custodian of this earth. You are here to protect the environment. You're here to protect your 40 neighbors. You're here to protect everyone. You're here to give water to a thirsty dog. It is important. All of these are forms of charity. Picking up an object off a street that may harm someone is a charity. Smiling at someone is a charity. Donating money is a charity. So we're saying that charity is an act of worship. We're not here to help people because they're Muslims. We're here to help people because we're Muslims. I don't believe that my faith is only on Sunday or Friday during worship. I believe it's a way of life. So what you find with the American Muslim community is we're trying to encourage people using American technology, American philanthropic know-how, nonprofit management techniques with the 1400 years old spirit of Islam of giving. And we're encouraging people that they can donate easily online, offline, that they can donate in different ways. So we're trying to use this American can-do spirit of voluntary association Um, which is a thing that's been amazing in America since the founding of um, this country. And even before that, with our Native American brothers and sisters, this is an American tradition to be generous, and we want to um, combine it with the theology of Islam, and then we want to help people in need, and we are helping our brothers and sisters of different faiths around the world and of no faith, because we believe it's an issue of our faith. And we have to give it with dignity. I don't believe it's okay 
to just give food. I want to give it in as dignified way as possible. This is what my faith teaches me. How are you working with and coordinating with the other uh, organized disaster relief entities that are seeking to help earthquake victims? When we work over there, we are registered in Turkey with the local government. We are registered with the authorities in Syria where we work. We are a consultative member of the United Nations. We have been working in different disaster zones and in um, some of the poorest areas of the world for years. We coordinate through the UN system, but we're not directly under them. We coordinate with the local governments. We coordinated with the Turkish embassy over here. We coordinated with the Turkish government over there, with the Syrian authorities. We are working together with our friends of other faiths. One story is one of our uh, partners. We've supported them in countries. They're supporting us, inshallah, um, highest um, Hebrew Immigration Aid Service. They're not working directly there, but they're working with Islamic Relief. We work with Christian Jewish partners in other countries. They work with us in countries where we have more know-how. People need to know this more. They assume that people of faith don't like each other. Well, some people don't, but we do. So we're going to listen to the community. In Syria, as I said, I believe the need is more acute and it will be longer. But right now we have more access in Turkey. So wherever we have access, whatever we can do, every child counts. I have people who aren't even Muslim anymore who donate money to Islamic Relief. I would say that what we've done is we don't believe that it's only observant Muslims that give to us. We want any Muslim, whether they're observant enough to give to us. We want anybody of any faith, any background to give to us. But what we found is that anyone that associates even slightly with Islam, they're more generous in Ramadan. What I love about the American spirit is this idea of voluntary associations, non-profit work. I don't care if you're right wing or left wing. Whether If you believe in big government, that's fine. Go support them. If you believe in small government, that's fine. Go and support the nonprofits that are working on the ground. Either way, there's no excuse. The question is not, to me, should you donate? The question is how much? And as a person of faith, I would say that's between you and God. And I would say as people who say that we don't believe in any religion, that's fine. That's on your conscience. Anwar Khan is the president of Islamic Relief USA. He also serves on the boards of the UN World Food Program USA, the Alliance to End Hunger, and on the advisory board of the Muslim Philanthropy Initiative at Indiana University. Links to the organization can be found in this week's show notes at interfaithradio.org. You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. We'll be back after this short break. Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. 
We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. (laughs) 